Hey everyone, welcome to the It's Personal Podcast. We are in week seven. Engage with evangelism. Hey everyone, it's Matt and Justin, and we're talking about engaging with evangelism. Now, when I say the word evangelism, most likely what happens to most of us on the inside is we hide, run, and go mm-hmm. just get away as fast as possible because it's such a perceptively scary thing. But we want to make that something that's a little bit more achievable. And if you remember last week, we ended with a question or the statement from Justin as we were talking about our story. Justin, you want to say that statement? Yeah, it's that you are not the most important character in your story. You are not the most important character in your story. So Mm -hmm. Justin, take it away. What does it mean that you are not the most important character in your story? Well, simply put, as we were talking through this, or talking through our story last week, um, I believe at the center of our story, sure, there's us, there's what's happening, but God is the author of our story. God is the finisher and the perfecter of our story. And so I think our story as believers doesn't happen without Him. So He is the most important central character of each of our stories as believers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so... If you think about what we have these last three weeks of this personal podcast, we have one more week after this that will be engaged with discipleship. And in reality, the more we were talking about your story and evangelism and discipleship, all of these things absolutely blend together. And when we look at the idea of sharing your story, one of the challenges we gave you last week was plain and simply this, to go share a part of your story with someone. Mm -hmm. Like find someone and share a moment or a time or a season in your life where God rescued you. So we're going to put me and Justin on the spot Mm. um, because we just came up with this five minutes ago right before we started uh, uh, recording that we're going to ask ourselves that question and then hear from each other and let you guys hear when we're talking about sharing a part of your story, what's that look like? So I'm going to buy Justin time since I came up with a question. You're so gracious. Um, yes, no problem. Um, and I'm going to share about, for me this week, I had the opportunity. I was talking with someone who I'd, I'd never met before, um, was in a conversation with them. We learned that we had both were believers, um, that we had both uh, been in church for a while. Um, and I was able to actually share an aspect of my story, which was when you're getting hurt by the church. Mm. Um, When something happens at church, and if you're in church long enough, that hurts. And I was actually able to share how I had a relationship that was broken that looked like there was no recovery from that because when I was talking with this person, that's the state of mind they were in, is Mm. that how could somebody who claims to be a believer and is in this position do this? And I could sense from them they were at this point where it was – uh, count that person as an enemy and abandon the relationship. And I had the opportunity to give testimony to the rescue God had given me and actually taking one of those relationships and restoring it to a place that's even better than it was. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really beautiful moment within the life of another believer to sit down and talk through, hey, no, that's not what God's plan is. And instead of just telling them, no, you need to forgive, which can come off harsh and they go, well, easy for you to say, as I was sharing my story you could sense that person begin to kind of re-examine what they felt like God was leading them to do because I don't think they'd gotten to the point where they were actually asking God, mm-hmm. God, what do you want me to do in this situation? So that was mine. That was my, my, my aspect last week as I was thinking of the opportunities I had to share my story. That was one of them that came up. So, yeah. Justin, your turn. All right, here we go. So what came to my mind just, just on the spot was uh, my wife and I were having some, some time with another couple that's 
that is they are believers, and uh, they were going through some things, and um, just really some communication was rocky, and they weren't seeing eye to eye on something. And just right off the bat, you know, I was able to share kind of some stuff my wife and I had recently walked through that was very similar. Um, and the rescue and redemption part and all that, and and sharing what God has done in my life was he was able to, to in the weeks after our kind of issue, um, I was able to kind of see where I was wrong. He kind of rescued me, helped me change my way of thinking, mm. um, helped me see how I can communicate better with my spouse. And so it was very relational and, and focused on how I can relate and how I can communicate with my spouse, but absolutely just continuing to sanctify me and continuing um, to teach me things about myself and how I act and react. And I was able to share that with this other couple, and I believe that was it was beneficial for them because of our story that I shared, that we what we walked through and what God had taught us, they were able to take that and apply that into their own lives and their own marriage and, and praying and trusting and know that God was using that as a blessing uh, for them as well. Yeah, and that's awesome because I love, you know, it's, it's one of those, the more you talk with other people about how they're sharing the story of how God rescued them in aspects of their story and then in every day of their story, like like thinking about the amount of times God has rescued any marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a layup. I mean, mm-hmm. our world is, you know, we talk about all the time uh, divorce statistics and brokenness and difficulties within marriage and things of that nature. Like, that's a place where it can become very easy for you as a believer when God has rescued that relationship in seasons um, to begin to bear witness about him. And you'll notice in both of what Justin and I said, the one thing we kept attempting to rearticulate was the the main character of our story, which yeah. was God. Mm-hmm. And it was, and we always try to do that in a way that seems real and seems direct. And when you experience it, that makes it that much easier. Because as we talk about this concept of evangelism, um, we kind of have to draw some lines to understand how we're talking about this. Because a lot of times we say evangelism and immediately we go to this, how do we have one conversation with someone that Mm -hmm. lasts five to 20 minutes Mm -hmm. where... We're talking and they're listening, and what we're telling them is that five or six point, God created us, man fell away in sin from God, the penalty of sin is death, Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, did not deserve that death, but took our place on the cross, then rose again to overcame death, so that we can spend eternity with him, our sins are forgiven, and now we owe our life to him. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at any evangelism training that helps you articulate the gospel, and maybe that's a good way to divide it. Articulating the gospel is part of evangelism. But when we talk about evangelism, which is proclaiming the good news and helping people come to a relationship with God, really what that comes from, it is an overflow of your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, we going back to week one, yep. you know, and Justin, you said this earlier, going back to week one, your time with God, your active relationship with God, your daily experience with God is really the root of where evangelism begins to overflow into mm-hmm. your life. And so one analogy that came to my mind with that is if every day we understand that we are responsible for carrying the gospel with us, then it's the same equivalent of if me or Michael or Justin or anybody else gets up and we're going to preach on a Sunday morning and we have spent no time in prayer, no time looking at God's word, no time processing through that and asking him what he wants us to say. 
and we stand up on a Sunday morning and jump on the stage and we grab the mic, at that moment, mm. we are in trouble. Mm. We are afraid. We are panicking. We don't know what to say. Like, we're all over the map because we literally feel like we're suddenly put on the spot. And so when I say that word evangelism and talk about like it's that scary word within the church, that's because we feel individually unprepared. Mm-hmm. We think we're going to step into this conversation and because we don't know everything, that we're going to step into the conversation and just completely fall on our face. Um, and so when we start to think about evangelism as that overflow of our relationship with God, going back to week one, week two, engaging with God, that's really what you have to understand about evangelism. And and just to kind of, as you were giving that example of preaching without preparation and how that leads us to be fearful, that leads us to, hey, we're stuck. Um, we'll get into this, but it, this just kind of came, the reverse of that is also true. And, I, and, I've, and I've experienced this in leading worship, and I'm, maybe you have in preaching too, where uh, God's, God's put something on your heart, and you're prepared and you're ready, but you're kind of like, this doesn't make this doesn't quite make sense. Is this what they need to hear? Is this the song that we should be singing? I'm just not sure. Like I'm just not sure if this is what we need to be playing or this is what I need to be speaking. But because we're in that overflow relationship, because we're obedient, because we're prepared, it may not make sense to us. But when we speak that word or we sing that song, inevitably someone will come up and say, "That was just what I needed to hear." And and it may be that one person. It may be a group of people. But kind of on the flip side of that, if we preach without preparing, we're in trouble. But if we prepare and we just trust the Lord, we're not in trouble. We know that he's on the other side of that. And I think that same, that same applies with evangelism, which is what we'll get into that if we're prepared and we're ready and we know our story and we're ready to share it, we can just trust that when God brings us the opportunity, we may not be sure of that outcome. We may not be sure of all the details, but if we're ready and obedient, he's going to use it. Yeah. And I definitely think, you know, as we're talking about that story and being prepared, that's one reason last week, sitting down and walking through your story and the practice of articulating it mm-hmm. is very, very helpful and loads yourself for the Holy Spirit to prompt you on when and what to share. That's right. In the same token, going and finding, whether it's Evangelism Explosion, whether it's the story, um, whether it's Romans Road and you memorizing those scriptures, having those on hand just puts more there on the plate for when you're in a conversation for you to reach back and grab. Because I remember I, I did EE, which for those of you who don't know, is a older evangelism training where literally they walk you through. I mean, you spend eight weeks memorizing scripture, memorizing scripts, um, working on purely that articulation of the gospel. And then you go door to door mm-hmm. or you go to a laundromat. Like you literally walk out and practice it with somebody. And I can remember that was, good gravy, that was 15 years ago. Mm. And the two analysis questions that I learned from that, I probably use on a monthly basis in ministry when I'm having a spiritual conversation. Which And those two, are, two questions are plain and simply, if you were to die right now, do you know where you'd go? And the other one is, if God asked you why I should let you into heaven, what would you say? Because what you're trying to figure out is, okay, what does this person, do they know, do they have a relationship with God? And then number two, is the basis of that relationship biblically sound. And what you're trying to do is figure that out. And so those those load and those help you. So by all means, you want to go and do those things. But also, on that other hand, understand when you're in a conversation with somebody, 
it is a flowing of the Holy Spirit through you. Mm-hmm. God will put things into your mind. This happens all the time, whether it's preaching, whether it's in marriage counseling conversations, whether it's in one-on-one just talking through things with a buddy. There'll be things that come to my mind. Whether we're sitting here doing this podcast, right. there'll be things that come to my mind that I'm writing over here on the scratch paper. Mm-hmm. And I've got to pause and I've got to go, okay, God, do I have a green light to share this? Mm. And a lot of times it's a green light. And then occasionally it's like this, just this intense feeling of nope hold that back as the Holy Spirit is kind of pushing through you. Um, and as we're talking about that, one of the things that we ventured into in this discussion as we were kind of like whiteboarding out how do we have this conversation is understanding when we play out the idea of evangelism in our heads, we oftentimes see it as a one-time conversation that leads to a decision. And it's, once again, it's that very scripted. And I think for each of us, We've got to re-understand evangelism not as an event, but as a relationship over time. Mm. Because one thing, one stat that I've always heard when you look at evangelism trainings and things is that people have to hear the gospel around seven times before they actually hear it, Mm. before it actually sinks in. Like they have to get that information. And, And Justin made a great point. You know, you don't know if you're the one that's planting the seed. You don't know if the one if you're watering it, or if you're the one that has the conversation where an action takes place. Right. Um, and so, one of those is to understand, like, don't be earthly results driven in that. That's right. Like, you know, and and one of Justin's golden lines is obedience over outcome. Mm. Um, and he gave you that example of like that we, me and him, experience all the time. Like, there's all the time we're walking up to give a sermon. We're having a conversation. He's leading a song to where we walk off stage and our feeling, our human feeling, is wow, that was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Been <laughs> you know? there. Yep. And and then somebody walks up to you and goes, Oh my goodness, I can't believe that. And here's what happens over and over again, almost every time I preach. I'll be preaching on like a very specific passage or topic, and this is my point. And somebody will come up to me and said, hey, when you said this, and I'll have no recollection of saying mm-hmm. it. Like, I'll look at my notes, and I'll be like, okay, I think it was in this story. Mm-hmm. But in that part, I felt like I was getting off topic, so I had to come back. And, and it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works through That's you, right. and you have to trust that. That's right. Um, but getting back to this concept of evangelism over the long stretch, thinking of it as more of a relationship than just that one moment where you're articulating the gospel, and also prior to and beyond that moment where someone makes a confession of faith, mm-hmm. where they say, I, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior, where they they commit their lives to Christ. Like, we've got to understand that evangelism and that conversion moment, evangelism's over time, and that conversion moment is really, if you drew a line that's diagonally going up on a piece of paper, we would recognize very quickly that that's like what the discipleship process looks like. But that confession of faith really is a dot on that line. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of times our, and this is this is maybe we're getting that bomb, one of those bomb questions, that evangelism is the beginning process of discipleship. It's the early discipleship process. Mm-hmm. Because I've had had conversion moments or confession of faith moments where, you know, we've been in a Sunday school room and we've been asking, hey, so uh, when did you tell tell me about your your salvation? When did you accept Christ as your Savior? And we'll go around the room, we'll cut that, and then somebody will come up to me afterwards and go, you know what? I I don't have a Christian birthday. Mm. And, you know, this is how somebody articulated it to me. They said, I've never, like I I've known I've believed this for years, and I've known that I'm a Christian. I've just never had that conversation with Jesus, and I've never made the profession of faith by by getting baptized mm-hmm. in front of a church. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so I think as we think through evangelism and maybe journey is the better word. Mm-hmm. Like evangelism is a journey. Right. You know, because a lot of times when we say evangelism, it feels like we're saying it's a cold call. Right. You know, it's that number you get where somebody says, hey, guess what? You need to call us back because your MasterCard that you don't actually own is in trouble or something right. like that. Right. And evangelism, it's really, and hopefully this isn't a scary thing for, for listeners and for people, but evangelism is the start of a relationship, I think. You know, it's it can be the start of a relationship for the unbeliever on the other side of that, the one that's being evangelized too, to, to start a relationship with Jesus. But also as believers, I think it's a start of a relationship that we're saying, hey, we we love you, God loves you, and I have some great news that I just, I need to know that you know this. And when you, I, you can't just go up to somebody and say that and then be like, okay, you made a decision, cool, see you later. And then I guess that does happen. Like you, you can if you wanted to, but I think as believers, we have to understand that's the start of a relationship. Because if you evangelize, if you share the good news, and God does a work in that person, and they um, understand who they are in relationship to the Lord and their need for Him, and they confess Him as their Lord and Savior, that person is going to remember you for the rest of their life, more than likely. You're going to be a huge part of their story. We talk about sharing our stories. You're going to be a part of their story, and so. Just know that as we as we go through this journey, as we start this journey, whether again, whether we're that one that first person out of seven who plants that seed, or whether we're the seventh person that someone breaks down in tears and says, I need this, I'm ready for this, or we're numbers two through six in between, whatever that may be, <laughs> yeah. We are part of we're joining with that person. It is the start of a relationship. Yeah. And and when you start talking about like the planting of the seed, the watering and things of that nature, you look at that example in scripture. Like for me, just like observation in life, I feel like there are people who are gifted planters. Mm, like yes. they can have a conversation with somebody about the gospel, about who God is, about the church. They can ask questions and that person might not walk away with a, hey, I'm going to need to make a decision. But something has been disrupted. There's been a shift mm-hmm. to where suddenly they're open to it. And then you have people that can come in and they can have this encouraging conversation that helps get them further down that line of thinking. And then you have these people that are gifted at just like having the conversation that leads to that immediate decision. But I think one thing we need to understand, and one of the lines we wrote up here on the board, is that spirit-filled evangelism doesn't always end in a decision, but it does change the direction. Mm -hmm. And that's not always felt by us, but when God's working through us, to have a conversation, to share our story, to articulate biblically who God is, what he's done, and what it means for that person. And God's working through us. It might not always lead to that earth-felt decisions. And in my experience, I'll go 19 times out of 20. I'll walk away from it going, okay, God, uh, I was obedient, and I got to trust you. Mm -hmm. And then one out of 20, you'll get somebody who goes, okay, I got to change something. I need to make a profession. I need to go get baptized. I need to, you know, whatever it is. And we're moving into some, and here's, here's something I'm realizing as we, as we get down this conversation, a lot of our language is starting to sound less like a brand new relationship proclamation. And it's starting to sound more like an ongoing growth relationship, which Mm -hmm. we would define as discipleship. Before we get too far down that road, one of the other things we had written up here is like practically what is evangelism. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had had three different words, phrases written down. The first one is, is evangelism is words. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, it's, it is articulating through human language the good news. Yeah. 
Um, and one thing I will add is the more you spend time with Scripture, the easier it is to articulate. The more you spend time in God's Word and knowing His truth and knowing His words, the easier it is to articulate. Mm-hmm. But it is a spoken thing that you speak to somebody else. The other one is that it's actions. Mm-hmm. you know. And so it is how you live your life, yep. what you do. And there was a quote you read um, that it's going to sound like it might be a little bit a little bit abrasive or out there, but it actually does deals very much. Like people are watching you, and almost I would go as far to say this: people watch you more when you're not in church mode, or when you're not talking about the Bible, or mm-hmm. when you're not making mm-hmm. a Christian. They watch you when you're relaxed. They yep. watch how you treat people that you disagree with. Mm-hmm. They watch what you post. Yep. And that's a big deal. So read that quote for us real quick. Yeah, this comes from Timothy Keller. Uh, the demonization and the dehumanization... We're going to have to cut that out. It's all right. <laughs> uh, the demonization and the dehumanization of the other side must stop. So someone that you disagree with must stop. When profess- when professing Christians do it, it is triply wrong. Yeah, and so we were... We, we kind of had that in our scratch notes of like, hey... Why does this keep showing up in our scratch notes? Why does it fit in? But when we started talking about the actions and the way you move and act and the things that you do when you're not yeah. trying to be the super Christian, yeah. When matter. my when my guards down, yeah. When I when I know people aren't looking, how I act is who I am. And and you talk we talked about earlier about that overflow of my relationship with the Lord. So if I cut off in traffic, my response, you know. That's probably going to give a good example as to the overflow of my heart, what my relationship with the Lord. Am I patient? Am I kind? Am I understanding? Or am I angry and frustrated and bitter? And so, again, I think when our when our guards down, when we feel like the eyes are off, who we who we become is really who we are on the inside. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know one example that. That, that comes to mind is like when I was uh, when I was a kid, I played AAU basketball for a couple years. And so there was a couple months where I was the kid that was not at church on Sunday because I was playing basketball. Mm. And we were traveling on Sunday playing games. And my dad would always pick up these guys who needed a ride. And we'd, without fail, we'd go. We'd show up um, at their apartment complex. They'd jump in the car. We'd be heading to an AAU game. We'd have to stop for lunch. We'd get to lunch. And without fail, every time, these guys would be short a few bucks because money was tight in their family. And um, so my dad would pay for their meal. And it was like two or three weeks into this. And I remember we're sitting around, and these guys weren't believers. Um, and so we're sitting around, and they're kind of cutting up and picking, and we're joking. And I'm trying to kind of gauge because I've got this I'm, – I'm a teenager, so mm. these guys are talking like lunch table conversation, and my dad's sitting right here. Mm. So I'm trying to act like the good kid at this point. But one of them stops in the middle of it, looks at my dad, and goes, you a Christian? And him and my dad have like this five-minute evangelistic mm. conversation where I'm sitting there going like, whoa, that was out of nowhere. Mm. But it was really like my dad's servant heart that opened that door to help plant that seed at that moment um, in that conversation. So understand your actions open doors and have huge impacts, especially when you're not on. Mm-hmm. And I love that language you used because it's in mind, but like when you're off, when you're, what would you just say a minute ago? Oh gosh, when when the, the eyes are off of me, when my guard is down. Guard is down, yeah. there it is, that was it. That's good. No, when your guard is down, I think that's a good gauge to understand uh, where you are evangelistically. And then the last one we had up there is evangelism is always a divine intervention. Always. 
always one. God leads it. God changes people. You don't change people. And a lot of times we get ourselves in trouble trying to fight for a reaction or a change instead of trusting and listening to God. And we can repel people at times. Yeah, and I think there may be people listening, and this is kind of just the the devil's advocate that just it just kind of came to me that that may say, well, why do we need to evangelize if it's divine intervention and God's going to do what God's going to do? Why am I needed? Like, what's God? God can speak to somebody and save them, and He absolutely can, right? He can absolutely, even if they're they've never heard the gospel. You know, I think he can he can send people, he can bring people, he can put that in front of them in order for them to, to change. Uh, but in Romans ten fourteen in our It's Personal journal, it says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And so for those, it's clear that as we like we've seen in previous weeks we're to engage with people we're people made for people we're to engage together as believers we're engage we're um we're made to engage together just as human beings and i think in god's design he wants us to be sharing with others how we've been transformed through the work of christ and the holy spirit within us and you know we've seen in acts that the church the church that we're a part of the capital c the big c church that we're a part of was built on firsthand testimonies and people sharing their story and people evangelizing and telling the good news. We wouldn't be where we're at today as Rich Fork and as churches in our community had it not been for those early believers going out Mm -hmm. and evangelizing and spreading the good news of Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so as we finish up, once again, we are we are in a a three week stride here in the It's Personal Podcast where really we're painting this picture of the journey Mm -hmm. of what it means to go from broken separate from God, unbeliever where we've all been, to a believer who is pursuing God. And so this flows naturally into our topic for next week, and I hope you join us. That will be our final week eight of engaging with evangelism. And we'll see you next week.